Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Wednesday, July the 19th, 2023. It is currently 4.12 p.m. Central Time. I almost said 4.21. 4.12 p.m. Central Time. And I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, where it is currently 375,000 degrees. Okay, that's a little bit of hyperbole. I don't know the actual temperature, but it is very hot outside right now. You walk outside right now and you really start questioning, is it worth going on? You really start questioning, you know, maybe I've lived long enough. Maybe it's just time to, to, to end it because it's too hot. But I know right now it is hot all over the place. There are states everywhere breaking records because of the heat, this heat wave that's, I don't know how many different states are involved and and. Different different parts of the world, but it is a, well, okay, someone, see, you always have to have that person who just wants to say, your life is really bad, because someone in the chat just said, it's 75 degrees here, so see, they're like, it's 75 degrees, see, so yeah, you probably should just either move or end it, because it's, yeah, all right, well, congratulations, we are happy, we are so happy that it's 75 degrees where you are. We are we are not resentful or bitter at all. We're not we're not coveting. No, we are just grateful that you have 75 degrees. But probably, you know, th- don't they always say you 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 only get what you can handle? Obviously, all you can handle is 75 degrees, but some of us are more faithful, committed, and we're strong enough that we can handle 375,000 degrees. See, some of us can take that. Okay. Do I, do I turn it into an opportunity to brag about myself? Okay. No. All right. No. So, all right. Now, enough with that. Hope everyone's having a great day. You know what's going on today? Today is day three of the 2023 National Sword Conference going on in North Carolina. Did you listen to the conference this morning? If you missed it, remember it begins again this evening at what, uh, 6 p.m., I think, Central Time. I think it's 6 p.m. Central Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. You know, figure out the time zones. But I believe it, it, it starts at 6 p.m. Central Time. So that gives me between now and 6 p.m. to try to get some live broadcast in. And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to be talking about the morning session of the 2023 National Sword Conference. I know my last broadcast, I did that. It turned out to be much more negative, and I I voiced a lot of my frustration. Um, But there's been a few times at the conference, I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you, where things have been said that just, they served no purpose other than just being mean or nasty or mocking or derogatory. And and again, and and I've likened it, and I I hate to do this, but it, it, it sounds like, you know, kids on a playground cutting other people down or talking trash to someone. And I'm not a fan of that at a Christian conference where everyone's holding a Bible and they're saying, we're here for Jesus. Amen. And yet there, but you know what it means? You know what it demonstrates? It's I don't care if you're sitting in a pew, wearing a suit, holding a Bible, singing the 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 hymns of the faith, I, I, even if you're there screaming, amen, praise God, and you're singing as loud as you can, inside of you and inside of me, there's still an old man, an old nature, and it manifests itself 
in so many different ways. It can manifest itself inside a Bible conference. It can manifest itself in your home. It can manifest itself at at 8 a.m., at 10 p.m., at 3 a.m. It's there. It's alive. It's well, it's, it's, it's alive and well. And we constantly have to try to mortify it, fight against it, deny it, die to self, but it shows up. And no matter how godly we try to appear, no matter how godly we may look, if you just watch and listen, sooner or later you hear, there's the old man. There's the old man. All you got to do is just listen. And it's there. It shows up in your communication. It shows up in my communication. It shows up in your thoughts. It shows up in my thoughts. It shows up in your actions. It shows up in my actions. It shows up in my desires, my feelings, my lust. It's there. It, 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 it's there. And I, and I think sometimes we forget that, right? Because sometimes like they're, they're saying things at this, in this conference that I think at times are just, again, it's just mean and nasty. And, 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 and I, I think, you know, it's, it, and it's, to me, it's corrupt communication. It's bitter. It's resentful. It's derogatory. It's hateful. It's dehumanizing. All the other words I can use. And I don't believe it's godly, but guess what? They don't see it. They don't recognize it. Just like I sometimes don't see and recognize my own sin and my own failure and my own flaws. But it's just kind of frightening that no matter where we, we can even be in a place where we're preaching, we're there for spiritual edification and it shows up and it shows up even in the mouth of those preaching God's word. And it just shows we're never free of it. And it, and I hope what that demonstrates, you should say, well, then where is my hope? Where is my rest? Your rest is only found in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Your, your hope, your rest, your peace, it will never be like, when am I ever going to get you know, close to godly? No matter how godly you think you become, if you continue to look at God and study God, the more you're going to realize how far you have fallen. Your only hope is the is the finished work of Jesus Christ and an imputed righteousness and your positional standing, not your practical standing. I I, I really hope that. So I, I don't want to just look at that and criticize them. I just want, I want to look at it and see, I see my own failures and my own shortcomings in it because it just shows us that no matter where we are, we're no better. And maybe some of my criticisms just demonstrate the same kind of spirit, right? Negative, condescending, maybe the same thing. But there have been some parts there that have been, you know, somewhat um, frustrating, but there's also been many things there that I have been grateful for, I've been thankful for, I've been convicted by, and we're going to talk about at least uh, something that was brought up today. And I, I'm, on one hand, I'm convicted by it. On the other hand, I don't really know. First, is is this 100% accurate? So I've got to figure out if it's 100% accurate. And if it is, well, then I think it, it, we all need a radical change of our thinking and and if it is, not only do I need a radical change of our thinking, I need a radical change of trying to figure out what it means on my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I got to figure out what it means to my everyday life. But here's what I want to do. If want you to do, if you can, if you have a piece of paper, grab a pencil for those who are sanctified and a pen for those who are not. Grab a pencil. Or a pen, because, you know, we show grace and mercy even to those who are ungodly. Okay, I'm joking. Grab something to write with, or you can type it out. You can tap it on a screen, whatever. 
but I would like you to write your definition, your own personal definition of the word worship. Of the word worship. How would you define it? I, I, don't, I don't need you to give me a lengthy doctrinal thesis. I just need you to give me like a simple definition of worship. If you're listening to us on Spreaker and you want to throw it in the chat, if, you, if, you, if you're not embarrassed, by all means do so. How would you define worship? How would you define it? What is worship? Because today at the 2023 National Sword Conference, the last sermon of the day really mentioned something. Now, I, they, they didn't really make it their primary focus. I, I think they, they, they may, could have made it their primary focus, but I, I definitely have been thinking about it throughout the day. And I don't know, I don't know necessarily what to do with it, but that, that's the whole point of this. We watch the conference messages and then we get together and discuss it and talk about it and, and try to figure it out and, and see. But, but it really comes down to how you and I define worship. So how do you define worship? Again, if you want to share it, feel free to do so. If you don't really have a good definition, maybe your definition is so vague that it doesn't really articulate exactly what you mean. Okay. It says devoting time to praise and or pray to God. All right. Someone uh, focused their, that. Um, our it says, are praise and worship somewhat synonymous? Interesting. I, I want to say praising God for who he is, praise. So a lot of people have the idea of praise or praying. Praise or praying, right? So if so, you could almost say that worship in those definitions, I think this is fair, and if I'm putting words in anyone's mouth, I apologize. But if I took those definitions and really thought about it, you could kind of boil those down to saying, Worship is what we say to God. Worship is what we say to God. Okay. That's interesting. And so I'll, I'll, I'll just to, to kind of build on that. When you look at the church and you consider a worship leader, what would you say is their responsibility? What is the responsibility of a worship leader? Now, typically a worship leader is seen as the person leading the people into singing, right? The worship leader is there to lead us into song or lead us in prayer. That the worship leader is there to kind of guide our uh, the words we're saying to God, right? We're praising him. We're praying to him. That that's, that's the worship leader. But in the conference today, it was emphatically, dogmatically declared that the worship leader is not the person leading people in singing, the worship leader is the one proclaiming God's word. So is worship what we say to God or is worship us listening to what God is saying to us? Those are fundamentally different and they will change the way you perceive church. If worship is what we say to God, then the worship time is going to be the singing time or maybe the praying time. But if worship is us how we listen to God's word, then the pastor is the worship leader and the worship time is the preaching of God's word. That will radically transform how you do church. 
I think 80 to 90 percent of Christians think would would define worship more in line with what we say to God, not us listening to what God has to say to us. Or. okay, all right. okay. someone says they see what I'm saying. They they see the difference. Okay, that's good. That'll be seventy five dollars. Um, since I, since, you know, I just, you know, gave you some, something so, so profound. Okay. It's maybe not that profound, but it is a very important distinction. And you'll see how churches are structured. You can kind of see, well, obviously this church believes that the singing is the, is, is really worship and the preaching, maybe not so much, but I, either look, you've got a couple of options. Worship is what we say to God. Or worship is us listening to God, or worship is somehow a combination of both, or worship has nothing to do with any of those things. <laughs> okay. I guess you have a couple of options. Worship is what we say to God. Worship is us and how we hear and listen to God, right? Worship is the combination of those two, or worship is none of those things. So, see, th- th- this discussion came from listening to the conference, making the entire conference already worth everything. I mean, it makes it worth a lot. Now, in the sermon, he was preaching on Genesis chapter 22. So let's go to Genesis chapter 22. Now, if you know the story of Genesis 22, and obviously he's talking about worship, you're getting an idea that maybe if he's going to take the concept of worship from Genesis 22, he may have an entirely different perspective on worship than what you're used to, maybe even what you prefer to be worship. Now, let's read Genesis chapter 22. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, And said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Now we could get into, is he tempting him to do evil? Or is he tempting him in the sense of trying him, testing him? All right. And remember, if God is testing someone, God is not testing them for God's benefit. He's testing them for their own benefit so that they can see what's inside of them. All right. We could have a whole, we could spend a, that could be a sermon right there. Okay. But let's go to verse two. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. All right, now we have Abraham and he's being told to take something that is precious. His only son, something that is very meaningful to him, the son that you love. It is precious because there's only one of them. There's only one of them, right? Take your own. In fact, let me read it again. All right, uh, take, take thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest and get thee into the land of Moriah. In other words, the way God speaks of this, take that thing, which is precious. Take that thing, which you love. Take that thing, which you truly love. All right, so I want you to take of, think of those things that are precious to you. I want you to think of those things that you really, truly love. You, you truly love them. Right, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. God comes to Abraham, says to take that which is precious, take that which you love, and you're going to go to a mountain and you're going to offer it up as a burnt offering, as a burnt sacrifice. 
Right, stay with me. Right, and here we go. Here we go. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, clave the wood for the burnt offering, rose up and went into the place in which God had told him. And then on the third day, Abram lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young man, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Now, in the sermon, the pastor mentioned what they call the law of first mention. Now, I went to plenty of schools that were in the independent fundamental Baptist world, Bible institutes, Bible colleges, and seminaries that were a part of that world. And there was lots of talk in all of these institutions of the law of first mention. If you don't know what the law of first mention is, it means that there's that whenever in the Bible you find where something is first mentioned, then that that really gives you the definition. That gives you the understanding. In other words, it's almost like a hermeneutical law that you go to where something is first mentioned. That defines it. That tells you what it means. That tells you what it's referring to. That that controls, that's the governing control of understanding it and defining it. Now, we could argue, does that always work? Is it just a general principle? They call it a law, okay? Is it a good principle? I know this. You can debate that all day, but you should always look for where something is first mentioned to see how it's used the first time and then trace it and how it's used throughout the Bible to see does that first use really control and define everything? Now, the pastor, he made that this is the law of first mention. Now, we're going to, we're going to, we could have a, we, we could, we could have a little discussion here and you'll see what I mean in a minute, but he basically takes it this way, that him, that when Abraham said, abide here and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you, that he put forth the idea that this clearly demonstrates that worship equals sacrifice. That worship is sacrifice. Worship isn't singing. Worship isn't lifting your hands. Worship isn't praise. Worship is sacrifice. Worship, in a sense, is hearing God's word and then being willing to lay down or sacrifice whatever we hear in God's word. We'll be able to sacrifice, to submit, to and to admit, sacrifice ourselves, our desire, our will, and response to God's word. Now, I'm, I know I'm fleshing it out a little bit, but if you really say that worship equals sacrifice, now there's a lot here we could look at. Is is Abram just kind of offering like a, a general, like, hey, we're going to go up there and worship, and we're going to come back because. Well, I mean, let's let's look at this again. Um, uh, it says here he rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of two of his young men with him. Right? These would be servants. Okay, and then um, he says unto the young men, "Abide here." Now, if you say 
If you say, hey, guys, stay here, we're going to go worship. Is he saying that because if he said, hey, I'm going to go up and offer up Isaac and I'm going to kill him, they, they would possibly stop him. Even the pastor seemed to allude that in the sermon that was preached today at the sword conference. He seemed to say, well, so is, is he just saying, hey, we're going to go up there and worship and we're going to come back? Meaning like he, that, that Abraham's not trying to offer some major definition here, but the argument is, well, that he's supposed to go up there to offer up his son. He's referring to that as worship. Therefore, the law of first mention would somehow indicate or mean that worship is sacrifice. Now, someone in the chat just says that seems to be true of pagan religions as well as I reckon. Okay. That's a good point. In many pagan religions, is their worship sacrifice? Now, you could say their worship involves sacrifice. So then, like, do you say worship involves all of this thing? But when you boil it down, what is worship? Now, if worship is sacrifice, and and we could flesh this out a little bit. All right, now, someone else just said something else. I'll read it in just a second. But let, let me try to flesh this out. If we go with this concept, then worship would be me hearing the word of God and then responding by sacrificing my mind, my thoughts, my will, to the word of God. Now, someone just said this. Could it be anything done with direct attention to or focus on God? Just working through it with, with what you've brought up. Okay, I, yeah. I, like, do we combine all of those elements? Anytime that we're focusing on God, it's an act of worship. It, you, you, I mean, it's possible. The, the pastor in the, in the conference, his argument was, The law of first mention is what controls what it is. But I think if we, I I don't, I don't know if that's an actual, we see, we, because what we would have to do is trace the word worship through the entire Bible. And I I guarantee you, worship is going to be connected more to, to, to just sacrifice. So then you would have to say, worship is whenever we sacrifice our focus, our, not think about it this way. Think about it this way. If we, if we take the word sacrifice and really try to envelop, try to bring everything under that tent. So worship is sacrifice. How does that then manifest? Well, if I'm singing praise to God, I'm sacrificing my mouth to worship God. I'm not using my mouth to talk about others. I'm not using my mouth to speak about this or to sing about this or to do. I'm, I'm sacrificing in a sense, my mouth. I'm laying my mouth down for the worship of God. If I'm praying, I'm setting my time, my focus, and my words to pray to God, not to do other things. If I'm studying my Bible, and so that everything I do, if I do it for God, it becomes an act of worship because I'm sacrificing my desire, my feelings, and my wants to take that thing and make it an offering unto God. In other words, anything I do is an offering unto God in a form, it's a form of sacrifice, and therefore it is worship. And it could be everything from singing, to preaching. So therefore, anyone could be a worship leader if you're leading people into offering up a sacrifice to God. It's an act of sacrifice. Now, let's do this. He says this is the law of first mention. So if you have the Blue Letter Bible app, you may have already done this. You may find this to be interesting. 
You may not find this to be interesting, but I think it's uh, beneficial. So here we go. I'm going to pull up the Blue Letter Bible app. Genesis chapter 22. The verse is verse 5, so I'm going to tap on the screen. Genesis 22 verse 5. I'm going to go to the interlinear and concordance. We're going to look up the Hebrew word. If I said Greek, I apologize. And it's right here, and worship. And it's this Hebrew word. Strong's H, 7812, Shacha, Shacha. Shacha, 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 all right? Now, Shacha is used 172 times. Shacha, okay, if you, if you want to use that guttural sound or just say Shacha, however you would like to, to say it. Um, it has, uh, it's, it's used 172 times, 99 times as worship, 31 times as bow, 18 times as bow down. Uh, you have reverence, fall down, themselves, stoop, crouch. The definition of shacha is this. Um, it is uh, depress, prostate, homage to royalty of God, bow down, crouch, fall down, flat, humbly, beseech, do make, do reverence, make, stoop, worship. You get the basic idea. It's basically this outline of biblical usage. It means to bow down. It means to bow down, to prostrate oneself, to be for superior and homage. In other words, you're, you're bowing yourself down. Now, in a, now, sometimes it has a very specific meaning directly to God, but you could bow yourself down to a false God. You could bow yourself down before an angel. You could bow yourself down before another human being. So sometimes it just means showing respect and honor. It doesn't always necessarily mean worship as if worshiping God, all right? Just showing respect. Okay, so, but here's the thing. Genesis 22 even though you want to tell the law of first mention, Genesis 22, verse 5, it's the first use of the English word worship. This is the first time the translators translated shacha as worship, but it's not the first time it's in the Bible. The first time shacha shows up is Genesis 18, 2. Genesis 18, 2, and he lift up his eyes and looked and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. Genesis 19, 1. And there came two angels to Sodom at evening, and Lot sat there at the gate uh, of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face towards the ground. Sometimes it's just showing respect. It's just showing reverence. And then Genesis 22, 5 is the first time it's translated worship. Obviously, the translators wanted to capture a difference between bowing yourself down to someone, even if it's to an angel, versus actually worshiping God. So in a sense, we reverence, we, we show worship when, in a sense, we sacrifice ourselves by laying down what we want for God, in this particular case, if we put Genesis 22 together, Abraham is willing to sacrifice that which is precious and that which he loves for God, to put God first. He's sacrificing what is precious, what he loves, his emotion, his feelings, his thoughts. That is more worship. Now, 
I think that means it could include everything. It could include prayer. It could include singing. Because if you are, if you're praising God, you're not praising yourself. You're not praising others. You're, you, you, if you're reading the Psalms and praising God, if you're, if you're, if you're singing a, a song, you're, 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 folk, you're not, you're not singing about something else. You're, you're singing about that which is focused on God. Now, I think the only major distinction is if the song is more, a song more about you than it is about God, then it obviously wouldn't be worship. Worship would be sacrificing yourself, submitting yourself to God. It would be focusing on God. Prayer, you're in a sense sacrificing. Listening to the word of God be preached. You're sacrificing your time. You're sacrificing what you could want, you could do. You may want to be doing something more when you spend time studying the word. There's worship. But I think it can go even beyond that. Whenever you're, whenever you take whatever you're doing, no matter how mundane it is, and you're doing it in a sense to honor God and for God and for his glory, then that act becomes a worship. So maybe it's not so much what we're doing, it's how we are doing it and what we're doing it for. Now you can be worshiping supposedly in song and you're not really singing towards God for God. You're just going through a routine. You're just going through the motions or you're doing it to be seen by other people and to be noticed. You can be sitting there listening to a sermon and no more focused on the sermon or God than you are anything else. Well, then you're not really sacrificing. Now, as I was kind of looking at this concept is worship as sacrifice. Of course, I started looking around and I found this paragraph or truly more than one paragraph, but I found this. The Apostle Paul describes true worship perfectly in Romans chapter 12, 1 through 2. Oh, here we go. Now this, I think in the sermon today at the 2023 Sword Conference, I think he ended up in the same place. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Your reasonable service. Now, if you'll pick up a different Bible... Pick up a different Bible. You will find out that it's this. Here we go. All right, here we go. Therefore, brethren, uh, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. This is your true worship. Worship is presenting yourself as a sacrifice. You're sacrificing. It almost seems to be that there may be some, like we can really try to flesh this out. Until sacrifice occurs, there is no worship. Now, you've got to really be thinking about what you're doing and seeing it as a sacrifice. That you're really sacrificing that, but it's for God. It's towards God. It's showing reverence and respect and honor to God. It's bowing yourself, your will, your desire for God. The next paragraph in this article says, 
This passage, Romans 12, contains all the elements of true worship. First, there is the motivation of worship, the mercies of God. God's mercies are everything he has given us that we don't deserve, eternal love, eternal grace, the Holy Spirit, everlasting peace, eternal joy, saving faith, comfort, strength, wisdom, hope, patience, kindness, honor, glory, righteousness, security, eternal life, forgiveness, reconciliation, justification, sanctification, freedom, uh, intercession, and much more. The knowledge and understanding of these incredible gifts motivate us to pour forth praise and thanksgiving and other words, worship. So in other words, what should motivate us to worship is the mercies of God. Let me read it again. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. You should be motivated, not out of fear, not out of threat, not to prove something, not because of legalism, not because of dead ritual, but you should do so because of God's mercy. So if you think about it, the more you see the mercy of God, the more you understand the gospel of God, the more you understand grace and mercy, then the more you should be driven to... I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What motivates the worship, and I think before you get to the worship, is you first are you are confronted with the mercy of God, and that should overwhelm you with gratitude. That should overwhelm you with love. That should overwhelm you. So... We have, in a sense, the motivation to worship, but then in a sense, we have the manner of worship. The manner of worship would be present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. Presenting our bodies means giving to God all of ourselves. The reference to our bodies um, here means all our human faculties, all of our humanness, our, our, our hearts, our minds, hands, thoughts, attitudes are to be presented to God. In other words, we are to give up control of these things and turn them over to him, just as a literal sacrifice was given totally to God on the altar. Mercy moves us to sacrifice. And what am I sacrificing? Well, God, you sacrificed your only son for me so that I could be saved. In Christ, I am forgiven. In Christ, I have his obedience, his righteousness. It's imputed to my account. Then now I am willing to lay my life down for you. Remember, you're presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. Obviously, we know that we're never going to do this perfectly. We know we're going to struggle with this constantly. But should this not be our desire daily is to present, I'm laying myself down for you. And I'm going to take what's precious to me. Your Isaac. Metaphorically speaking, illustration. Your Isaac what's precious and what you love and say, God, here you go. Because whatever your Isaac is, well, remember where, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Well, that treasure, obviously, your heart, and you're going to present all of yourself as a living sacrifice, your heart, your desire, your emotion. Now, I don't think we ever a truly, I think this is a constant struggle that we're in worship. We're constantly trying to give ourselves over to God. Now, this article says, um, but how do we do this? How do we do this? Now, this article points to, and I'm not so sure about this, but it's an interesting concept. 
I beseech you, brethren, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, there's the motivation that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's kind of the, mo- that's how we do it. That's the, uh, how did they say it? Um, the manner of worship, we have the motivation, we have the manner, right? Now, you could say uh, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. They say the way we accomplish this is by the renewing of the mind. Well, how is the mind renewed? By the hearing of God's word. So worship then involves this this being motivated by mercy, by presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice. And the way this occurs is the renewing of the mind. The more we hear of God's word, the more we are confronted with what we need to lay down. Now, there's more we could say here, but I really want you to flesh this out. In Genesis 22, Abraham grabs his son because God says, you're going to sacrifice your son. He takes him and he says, hey, me and the lad are going to go and worship. Now, he goes up there. Obviously, God does not have him kill Isaac, but there is a sacrifice there. There's a ram waiting. There is a sacrifice. There is a burnt offering does occur. Him and the son do return. Worship did happen. In a sense, the worship happened while, because Abraham was willing to lay down and give up what was precious and what he loves to God. God provided an ultimate sacrifice. God's mercy should drive us to lay down what is precious. And we can only do that through the renewing of our minds. And when I say we can only do that through the renewing of our minds, it's the renewing of their minds that if you think about the renewing of your minds, the more you renew your mind, you're learning about God's mercy, which is going to motivate you to want to be a living sacrifice. And you're going to learn and be confronted with what needs to be sacrificed, what needs to be put on the altar. Now, it's going to be all of you, your desire, your heart, your dream, your hope, your wants. Your needs, you've got to be like, here you go, God. Now, guess what? The next day, and the next day, and the next day, worship is not a one-time act. It's a continuing act. Now, the good thing, our salvation is secure in Christ. It has nothing to do with our salvation, but it's... Us worshiping God. We, we, we want to talk about worship, but we like to talk about worship as singing some song. It, it, it involves, it is a sacrifice. Now, those things can, mani- can be an outward example of the sacrifice because you are sacrificing something to be doing those things. But it involves laying all of yourself down because of God's mercy. So how do you see it? I think, well, man, have I ever really worshipped God in any meaningful way? Do I present myself as a living sacrifice? 
Do I really lay down my life as a living sacrifice in any reasonable way? Or do I give some of myself over to God, but I'm, I'm holding this and I'm holding this. I'm grabbing things off my desk. I'm holding this and I'm going to grab a little bit of this and I'm going to grab this. Now I got my hands full. Now God, I, I'll give you a little bit, but I'm holding on all of this because this is precious and I love it. Now, this is not one step, you're done. This is not simplicity. This is not easy. This is obviously convicting, but the conviction makes us run back to Christ. And then we are once again confronted by his living, by his mercies, by the living mercies of God. We are confronted by these amazing mercy. And then we are so grateful and we can relax and rest that, okay, I don't do this perfectly, but I'm forgiven. Now, because I'm forgiven, Lord, I seek to worship you. I seek to lay down. I seek to, to, to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto you, which is my true act of true worship. And this can only occur by the renewing of my mind. And how is my mind renewed? By focusing on you, listening to your word. Worship as sacrifice. Love to get your thoughts on this. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I know we kind of took what was said in that message this morning and really tried to flesh it out and try to expand on it because I thought it was a powerful point he was making. And I'm grateful for it. I, again, I'm, I've been convicted by it. I don't know exactly all the, the ins and outs of it, but I don't think we should just uh, neglect this and just slide back into, well, I'll sing some songs and you know, I'll, I'll say a prayer here or there. That there's something more to worship. And considering who we are worshiping, you can see why maybe there's more to worship than what we reduce it to. Because we're not, we're worshiping the creator of the universe. I think that worship would be, there would be some significant elements to it. All right. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Remember, the 2023 Sword Conference begins again in about one hour. You can go to swordofthelord.com. There's a, a little red banner there that says uh, live stream. Watch the live stream here. You click on it, it takes you to their YouTube page. The live stream will probably begin in probably 50 minutes, maybe 55 minutes. And uh, someone said, thank you. I hope so. I hope so. Um, and... Um, Watch it, and we'll see what happens tonight. I'm going to try. I'm going to try to get in one more broadcast before that, if I can. Um, I have to get the audio already. I think we need to do a, another law and gospel episode, is what I think we need to do. So maybe we can get that in here in just a minute. All right. I feel like I should say something else, but I think I think I have I've fleshed this out enough, and I've handed it over to you. Now you can. Spend some time thinking and meditating on it. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. God bless.